It's Monday, March 11th. Welcome to our new podcast, Skim This. Every Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., we're breaking down the biggest, most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're talking about the new White House budget and the Overseas Contingency Operations Fund, aka Pentagon Slush Fund. We'll discuss why it's controversial and other budget asks that have some question marks. Then, after the tragic Ethiopian Airlines crash, we'll cover three things to know about the airplane under investigation. And why moms at Swiss Bank UBS say maternity leave is costing them. That and more. We're here to make your Monday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Duncan. Skim This is here to make your evening smarter. Duncan's here to make your morning smarter. Their Power Breakfast Sandwich has 24 grams of protein, no artificial flavors or dyes, just like us. We run on news. America runs on Duncan. Okay, so the most wonky news of the day has to do with the budget. President Trump released his budget proposal for the upcoming fiscal year, which starts October 1st. And he's asking for more government spending than ever before. $4.75 trillion. That's trillion with a TR. It's a full budget, so there are a bunch of items that people are talking about. First, a couple of things to highlight off the top. Trump is asking for $8.6 billion for the border wall, way more than the $5.7 billion that Democrats and even some Republicans didn't want to give him at the end of last year. The budget calls for $2.7 trillion in cuts to government programs that aren't connected to the military, safety net programs like food stamps and Medicare also a no-go for Democrats who control the House. And economists say the budget isn't realistic because it's based on the idea that the economy will grow by 3.2% in the next year. They say that's a long shot. All right, that's a lot of numbers. It's a budget. What do you expect? But there's a big thing we want to talk about today that's facing bipartisan pushback. Trump is asking for $718 billion for the Pentagon. That's not just a huge increase and lots of money. It's way more than the $576 billion cap Congress put on defense spending to reduce the deficit. So how is he allowed to ask for so much more than that? It's because of something called the Overseas Contingency Operations Fund. If you've heard people talking about a Pentagon slush fund, that's it. It has a long and storied history, and it's pretty complicated. So we're going to give you context to understand today's budget news. We're going to get into what the fund is, why it's so controversial, and why it's being used now. Okay, so what is the Overseas Contingency Operations Fund? So the key word here is contingency, as in contingency plan. This fund is like the extra wallet in the Pentagon's back pocket, so it doesn't have to search for quarters in the couch cushions in case we find ourselves in the middle of a war. It used to be that if the Pentagon ran out of cash in the middle of a war, it would have to make an extra request to Congress on an as-needed basis. In 1985, Congress started reining in budgets across all government agencies. But they gave the Pentagon a petty cash drawer, in case a war came up or an ongoing conflict suddenly needed more money. The emergency money was exempt of any limits on the rest of the yearly budget. Then things got a little out of control which is why the fund is controversial. That's in part thanks to 9-11 and the global war on terror. Presidents George W. Bush and Obama used that fund to pay for wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. 
Obama's actually the one who named it the Overseas Contingency Operations Fund. In 2011, Congress tried to rein in the budget again. So President Obama started asking for more and more for that contingency fund. It was a way to get around budget caps. Some people were not happy about it, like then-Congressman Mick Mulvaney. My amendments seek to simply be done with this thing. Uh, It has turned in, Mr. Chairman, um, to a slush fund. Critics like Mick Mulvaney said sometimes the money wasn't being used for emergency combat needs. It was going for flashy equipment like Reaper drones and armored trucks for the Army. So in some ways, he was right. But it wasn't illegal. And proponents of Obama's use of this fund said it gave the president flexibility when he and Congress had to cut other costs in the budget. Which brings us to why people are noticing it again now. Back in December, President Trump said he wanted to pull U.S. troops out of Afghanistan and Syria. So those wars are wrapping up and, in theory, shouldn't need as much money. And when he announced the national emergency, President Trump said he wanted to use money that was left over in the military construction budget from last year that was never allotted. But in this new budget, President Trump wants more than double the amount of the contingency fund, $165 billion. That's as much as the fund had in 2010, at the height of the war on terror. The person who is asking for this budget on behalf of President Trump is Trump's budget director slash acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney the same guy who was railing against this particular fund back under Obama. So what's the skim? On a global level, defense spending is important. One recent concern, for example, is North Korea. But the emergency funding Trump is using to give more to the Pentagon is a fund known for kicking money toward programs that are not on the front burner. On a national level, the last budget fight between the White House and Congress triggered the longest government shutdown in U.S. history. This proposal, and the ask for even more money for the border wall, is expected to keep that fire burning. Coming up after the break, investigators are still looking into Sunday's plane crash in Ethiopia, and a separate incident from a few months ago could provide clues. That story's next. Deadly airline crashes are always a tragedy but some draw more attention than others. That's the case with Sunday's crash of Ethiopian Airlines 302. The flight took off from the Ethiopian capital, Addis Ababa, en route to Nairobi at 8.38 Sunday morning. Within six minutes, the flight lost radar signal and contact with air traffic control, then crashed. All 157 people on board were killed. This was the second crash involving the same airplane model, the Boeing 737 MAX 8, in just a few months. Both happened right after takeoff. And that has people asking a lot of questions. So today, we're going to share three things you need to know about this plane. First, this isn't an old junker. The Boeing 737 MAX 8 is a super new plane. It's only been in service since 2017. It's like the mid-sized sedan of airplanes, mostly for mid-range flights, and it's been selling like crazy. From Aerolíneas Argentinas to Shaman Airlines in China, 69 airlines now have the 737 MAX 8 in their fleet. There are about 350 in service now, and Boeing has 5,000 more on back order. So there are a lot of them out there, and more are expected to be in the air soon. 
The second thing you need to know is it's not normal for the same model airplane to crash twice in such quick succession. Aviation experts are warning about jumping to conclusions, but they are saying that there are some similarities between the two incidents. Lion Air Flight 610 crashed into the sea shortly after taking off from Jakarta, Indonesia last October. In both cases, the plane's altitude and vertical speed bounced around a lot right after takeoff. In the case of Lion Air, aviation authorities think the pilots were struggling with new autopilot software that hadn't really been explained to them and was malfunctioning. Boeing said they're working on updating the system. But in this Ethiopian Airlines crash, experts are also looking at the pilot's experience. The captain had a lot of flight time, about 8,000 hours. But the co-pilot only had about 200 hours. Experts are questioning whether that's enough time to co-pilot a commercial plane. Which brings us to the third thing you need to know. After the second accident, airlines in China, Indonesia, and Ethiopia have grounded their 737 MAX 8s. In the U.S., Southwest and American Airlines aren't pulling their 737 MAX 8 models yet, and neither are airlines in India and Dubai. The plane's black boxes, which can tell us all of the plane's info and give us the cockpit audio recordings, have been recovered. And the FAA released a statement today saying it's helping the National Transportation Safety Board investigate this crash. But it has issued something called a continued airworthiness notification for the Boeing 737 MAX 8. Basically, the FAA is saying the plane is still airworthy. But they say if they identify any issues that affect safety, they'll notify airlines immediately. Passengers are watching. Next up, women at a Swiss bank say taking maternity leave is costing them. Here at The Skim, we're celebrating women in business as part of our Women's History Month coverage. Today, we're bringing you a story about the pay gap. So last week, a report said that Switzerland had been ranked as the best country in the world for women's rights. Women at the Swiss bank UBS are saying not so fast. They told the Financial Times that in their bank, men get paid more than women on average. And it's not hard to see where the gap starts. Maternity leave and bonuses. UBS actually has a pretty generous maternity leave policy. Six months of paid leave for new mothers. That's almost twice as much as required by law in Switzerland. But women say the bank has been using maternity leave as a reason to cut long-term bonuses for their female employees. In a lot of cases, by 30% or more. Then it's even harder for women to close the wage gap. UBS leaders said they would fix this problem more than a year ago. But working moms at the bank say that hasn't happened yet. Women have been fighting for equal pay here in the U.S. too. For more on that, check us out on social media, at The Skim, or head on over to our website, theskim.com. Before we go today, we have two fun facts coming to you from the ocean. First, whales eat sardines. Second, they don't eat humans. So here's the story. This dive tour operator was recording a sardine run off the coast of South Africa. That's where billions of sardines come to spawn every year. And what happens is they create a feeding frenzy for predators, like whales, for example. So the diver is taking pictures of the sardines, and all of a sudden, everything goes dark. He had been nearly swallowed by a Brutus whale, head first. And these whales can be up to 55 feet long and weigh up to 30 tons. And he's inside its mouth. But like we said, whales don't eat humans. 
So this whale let go of the diver within a few seconds, and he wasn't even hurt. And that's all for Skim This. Thank you so much for listening to us, and make sure you hit subscribe to add us to your evening routine. And be sure to tell all your friends. And don't forget to leave us a review. If you want more Skim first thing tomorrow morning, but in your inbox, subscribe to The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day. You can even subscribe by text if you want to. Just send us a text with the word Skim. That's with two M's to 66866 to get all in on the Skim life.